0: At the top of the ladder of success, how many have asked, is that all there is? Here's Pastor Xavier I mean, you stop and think about
1: it. Is this life shallow? If there is no eternity, if there is no God, I mean, what's life about? For you to just grow up and try to get a piece of realty, a couple of cars, go on a lot of vacations, laugh a lot, and then check out? If there was no hope in God, this life is meaningless. And so many have concluded that, living it apart from
0: God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The wisdom of popular culture has enumerated for us everything from 12-step recovery programs to 50 ways to leave your lover. But today, Pastor Xavier Reese turns to the wisest man in history for a concentrated list of five key elements of practical wisdom. It's a Simple truth study from the book of Ecclesiastes that we began last time in which we cover the first two elements, character and humility. Let's rejoin the message as Pastor Xavier weighs the balance of the list after a brief introduction. Ecclesiastes
1: chapter 7, verse 1 through 14. The message is entitled, Practical Wisdom. Solomon, having concluded that man's claims about the things that bring about fulfillment and satisfaction in life were false now turns to give some practical advice regarding morality and virtue that will prove and make man wise during his brief life in this world. There are five things Solomon is going to give to us here that Solomon says makes a man wise. The first being uh, character. Character is wisdom, verse 1 through 4. Secondly, humility is wisdom, verse 5 through 7. Thirdly, patience is wisdom, verse 8 through 10. Patience knows the end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Again, the contrast in the proverb is between the beginning and the end. The process requires patience. (laughs) That's what kills us. The beginning has a goal in mind. But we become impatient. The end assures the goal. But we want it right now. Now, this does not teach that even evil things or tragedies end up better always at the end. It's not what it's teaching. And yet God in His grace and sovereignty does seem to work things out for good at times, right? And even when we don't think they are, God says they do. And we have to wait till we get to heaven to find out the good. But we base it not on what we understand. We base it on the character of God, right? Right? Now, notice the second part of the proverb. It contrasts patient in spirit to the proud in heart or proud in spirit. The patient person does not jump to conclusions. The patient person gets all the information. The patient person attempts to understand and appropriate all that information. The patient person comes to a conclusion based on the available information and is yet open for any further information even to the very last minute. The problem is that so often man is so convinced that he knows everything. I mean, I presume you balance your checkbook every month, or maybe that's your problem. (laughs) But um, you only need one factor to be off, to be wrong. It can be one cent, one dollar, or a hundred dollars. And you're off. You'll never hit the true amount. How much more when we're dealing with people, things, situations, and events in which there are so many variables? Proverbs 16, 32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You ever see a person who can't? Have, and does not have rule over his spirit I presume you drive the freeways I have never felt so awkward in my life as when a woman passes me up because I'm going slow and she gives me an obscene sign and I look at her and I feel weird and embarrassed for her, but that's the world we live in. No control. I'll let you not secret. when people do that to me, guys. I go. <laughs> that ticks them off even more. Because <laughs> I'm not going to respond the way they want me to. Thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. <laughs> Secondly, verse 9. Patience is not the virtue of the proud person. And Solomon commands not to be as him. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. This was a favorite scripture of my wife for our children as they were growing up. Now they throw it back in our face. (laughs) An angry person cannot, nor will he, Reason. An angry person has concluded they are right. An angry person is only interested in venting their anger. An angry person desires to inflict injury, whether it be verbal or physical. The angry person, by being hasty in spirit, proves to be a fool. Proverbs 14, 29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Notice thirdly, patience lives content and thankful. So Solomon commands in verse 10, Do not say, Why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Patience lives content and thankful. The proverb has a problem on the human side. First, the past is often distorted in our minds. All of us have said, "Ah, oh, the good old days. You get back there, they're not that good. The past is not always better. We distort the past. We make it look better than it really was. The past and longing for it does not resolve the present. You still have your problem. Forgetting those things that are behind. Reaching forward for the things that are ahead. I lay hold on that for which I was laid hold on for. The reason Solomon gives us this is that a person does not inquire wisely. He gives it to us there. Concerning what? He doesn't inquire regarding the present. He's not wise. He's looking at oh the past. Look into it before you start crying. Ask some critical questions. Stand back and ask God some things. Look at your life, look at your decisions. Don't just chuck the present away, hoping for the past. They have not taken the time to reveal their good character, humility, or patience. So all the virtues eh, that he's pointed at this point, they failed at this point. They have not taken the time to search out the problem, the possibilities, and uh, and the applied wisdom to the situation to resolve it. But they just throw their hands up and... towards the past. Kind of like the children of Israel, right? Every time they got in trouble, they turned to Egypt. Oh, the leeks, the onions, the watermelons. The past looks so good, they forgot the whip. You remember the whip? Or do you only remember the leeks, the melons? Don't you ever forget the whip. Without the whip, the past looks pretty good. Without the taskmasters, the past looks pretty good. Without bondage, the past looks real good. But without those things, the past is not the past. It's something that never existed. Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Are you a person that seeks good advice? Are you a person that can be confronted? Do you gather as much information, whichever way, whichever means by whatever person, when you have to make decisions, when you're looking into something? Or are you just one of those kind of lone ranger guys and ladies that just, hey, I don't need anybody. Woe to you. One man stated. A man is a hero, not because he is braver than anyone else, but because he is brave for 10 minutes longer. (laughs) I wouldn't think about that. Interesting. Patience. Patience is good as evidence of practical wisdom, but it does not mean that you know God. Fourthly, Solomon says, Priceless is wisdom, verse 11 and 12. In verse 11, wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. The proverb places wisdom as a comparison, having value as much as an inheritance. The proverb at the same time makes wisdom a complement Not only a comparison, but a complement to enhance an inheritance. The proverb declares that those who apply wisdom to manage their inheritance will profit from it. Those who are to profit are those, here it is again, under the sun. A repeated phrase in the book those who do not know God, those who live apart from God. If they apply themselves to wisdom, they can make some money, they can live comfortably. But it's only under the sun, you understand? Once they die, it's over with. Those who are living apart from God. Notice secondly here in verse 12. Wisdom is not only equal to money, but more valuable than money. For wisdom is a defense as money is a defense, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Now notice both wisdom and money are given the quality of defense. The word means a protective shade, the idea being that of a comfort, that of benefit, that of security. But the excellence of knowledge or understanding regarding the managing of the money and how it is used depends on what? Wisdom. Knowledge is facts and information, Understanding is the ability to see the connection and relationship of the particular facts of that knowledge. And wisdom is the best application of the knowledge and facts that are understood in order to bring about the best results. We are living in a world of information. You can turn on the Internet. Man, you've got information galore. But do you understand it? Now, if you understand the information you're tapping into, whether it be the internet or whether it be whatever it is, then you can take that information, facts, figures, data, assimilate them, understand them, comprehend how they fit in terms of the area and the field that you're looking into, and then come up with the best decision, and by making it, you manifest wisdom. There's a distinction between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Solomon says, for it gives life to those who have it. Life refers to the enjoyment and benefit of the needs, advantages, and pleasures in life, as well as the ability to invest and manage one's money. Now remember, Solomon is looking over and over again this uh, view. He's looking at 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 man's life apart from God, and so he says, "There's nothing wrong with enjoying life, right? We don't live for it, but there's nothing wrong with it." But if all you see is existence in this life, then that's what you're going to conclude. I mean, you stop and think about it: Is this life shallow? If there is no eternity, if there is no God, I mean, what's life about? For you to just grow up and try to get a piece of realty, a couple of cars. Maybe vacation home, go on a lot of vacations, eat a lot of food, laugh a lot, and then check out and leave everything behind. That's pretty empty, isn't it? If there was no hope in God, this life is meaningless. And so many have concluded that living it apart from God. And rightly so, rightly so. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her, Proverbs 3.18. Now, that wisdom is God's wisdom. As a matter of fact, wisdom goes on. It, speaks, it personifies itself as a woman in Proverbs. And she says, listen, I run through the streets, you young man. I want, I, want, I want you to call upon me. I'm at your access, but you reject me. He says, so one day you will call upon me, and I will not answer. He said, all that you would learn, that you'd be like men who mine for gold and silver and they jeopardize their life and they, and they work to the bone and, and they get up and get this little chunk. Oh, if you would work like that for me, you would be rich. It's like the monkey that is hunted by drilling a hole in a coconut. And they place some rice in it so that when the monkey sticks his hand in for the rice, he clenches a fist. And when he goes to remove the fist from the coconut, he can't because the fist is bigger than the hole. And so what the monkey does in desperation is he begins to hit that coconut up against the the palm tree, right? Not knowing that the noise is alerting the man that he's captured. Now, the monkey has the knowledge of the rice. It's food. He has knowledge of the coconut. It can break if he hits it hard enough. But he has no understanding of the factors to conclude that what he's doing puts him in danger. And therefore, he doesn't exercise wisdom. And he gives up his own life. Oh, how many people are like that monkey. All kinds of information and knowledge. But when it comes to wisdom, they're banging that coconut. And the harder they bang, the more they put themselves in danger. Hmm. Priceless is the evidence of practical wisdom, but it does not mean that you know God. Fifth and last, God's work is wisdom. Verses 13 and 14. Notice first in verse 13, God's work is wisdom. So man is to consider the work of God for who can make straight what he has made crooked? Now, the proverb does not teach that God has purposed some evil or tragedy and that no one can escape it, okay? Some people believe that if something's going to happen, it's going to happen, nothing they can do, so they go even against reason. Others believe that God has it out for them and he wants to make life miserable for them, and so what can they do? That's wrong too. The proverb teaches the sovereignty of God. Look at it well. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He is perfect and cannot make a mistake. He is all-wise. What He does is absolutely right and the wisest thing that can be done. Now, we can't see that. We can't assess that. We don't have all the facts. We're not all knowing. We're not all-wise. God can work through things that appear and at times are meant for evil, and turn them for good and for his glory. But we do not know how all that works out. So we rest in the character of God. He is just. He is holy. He is love. He cannot lie. Nebuchadnezzar learned that after he was humbled by God. Uh, Daniel 4.35 says, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? (laughs) Notice secondly, in verse 14, In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider... Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. Now, they go together. 13 and 14 go together, okay? So in 13, he's been talking about considering the work of God, okay? He works beyond our understanding, beyond our ability to understand. And now he puts the two things together, prosperity and adversity. The proverb counsels man to enjoy himself and his prosperity, Nothing wrong with that. The contrast is that they have adversity. When it comes, man has to consider, ponder, and understand that God could possibly be in the adversity as much as in the prosperity. Now, today's positive confession movement says, no, sickness is not from God. God cannot be in suffering. Well, you know, um, uh, Job is a perfect example that God allowed that testing to come to him. He lost everything knowing that Job was a righteous man and hated evil. Yet Job's friends were convinced that he was in sin for God would not allow a righteous man to be afflicted. Miserable comforters, physicians, no value. They got bad theology. (laughs) Listen to what Solomon has told us. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, so on and so forth, Ecclesiastes 3, 2 through 4. God is in all these things if you're a Christian. And if you're not, God can use all those things, and he will use them to turn you, to come to him. Joseph's treatment by his brothers And the selling of his person to the Ishmaelites. And then their selling to him in Egypt to Potiphar's house. Was the work of God. Through the free will of man's evilness. And what they intended for evil, God turned for good. Oh, the devil. Of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Paul declares, Romans eleven thirty-three. <laughs> who has known the mind of the Lord? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him? He's prepared many things. You have no idea. He is in the day of prosperity as well as the day of adversity, if you're a Christian. God's work is evidence of practical wisdom, but it does not mean that you know God. And so, these five things that Solomon says are good for man in life, in view of his brief existence, and the fact that they make him wise, are good. But mere morality does not bring fulfillment or satisfaction, let alone is it evidence that we know God. Now, if we know God, these things are incredible through His Spirit, commendable. So may God give us wisdom. You stand in one of two camps this morning. You know God or you do not know God. If you don't, you can this morning.
0: Well, we've been studying King Solomon's list of key ingredients that make up wisdom. And if what you've heard today has caused you to want to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website, CalvaryChapelPasadena.com, where we provided the information you need to help make that decision. That's CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Now, today's study is titled Practical Wisdom and is available on CD for just $4. Everything we shared last time will be included as well, so it makes a convenient way to study the message more in-depth at your own pace. So the title to ask for once more is Practical Wisdom, or simply mention today's date. Request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor the effectiveness of our broadcast ministry. Pastor Xavier Reese says, Life isn't about situational ethics, but the divine plan of the Creator. Learn more next time, right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com